Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Tuesday episode for week eight of this 2023-2024 NBA season. I am your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show, uh, slash welcome back to the show. Uh, whether you've been listening previously or you're brand new to the, the podcast, either way, we genuinely appreciate your support and we thank you for tuning in. Uh, joining me today, normally our Monday co-host, but since we're kind of doing our Monday thing on a Tuesday tonight, uh, our, our co-host is Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing good, Karsten. I'm just living the dream. Yeah, I, I can relate. It's uh, <laughs> an exciting time. Uh, no, in seriousness, no, I'm, I'm, I think we're both kind of excited for the holiday season. We're getting a little bit close to that, of course. It's, what, a couple of weeks until Christmas, really, at this point? Yeah, I think yesterday is two weeks till Christmas, right? Yeah, geez, it just kind of snuck up on on many of us, I'm sure, and me, it's, but, me uh, being one of those, I suppose. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where I, uh yeah, exactly. did my christmas shopping this year like i actually you know did it in a kind of reasonable time frame and i actually go. felt good about the gifts that i got you know i have That's one a... left i have one thing left to do but oh okay you know. so but mostly there yeah i'm, I'm yeah, with you there. i i i feel pretty good about what i ended up with um i did pretty much all of mine even though i had ideas i did pretty much all of it on like black friday Yep, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, let's let's see if there's some deals. I think there was maybe some, probably not huge savings, but uh, no, yeah, that, I was prepared there. Otherwise, like I'm still getting decorations up, but uh, that's besides the point. Of course, uh, today we're focused on uh, getting kind of back up to speed and getting back into a regular season flow. Um, so that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our uh, our game summaries from uh, on last time's show. I said just Monday, but we did have games on Friday that we haven't talked about yet either. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our, our game summaries, our five on five drill, the six men, as well as our key news. All right, again with our five-on-five drill, usually kind of what we do is Wyatt and I will take turns back and forth doing this. Uh, I'm going to start us off talking about the one game from Friday we'll focus on, and then we'll turn it over to Wyatt for the first of our uh, Monday games, which we'll focus on. And uh, to start off that Friday game we're going to talk about is the uh, overtime affair between the Oklahoma City Thunder in Oklahoma City uh, versus the visiting Golden State Warriors, which the Thunder were able to win 138 to 136, your final score. Uh, and the Thunder continue to impress with uh, Chet Holmgren and uh, Shea Gilders Alexander, who's emerged as maybe an MVP type candidate this season. Um, but they've been they've been great and they were great in this game. Uh, withstanding some early offensive firepower from the Warriors, uh, they claimed a 14 point lead in the second quarter, dominated the second quarter for the most part. But uh, the Thunder retook the lead after an early lead in the opening minutes. They retook the lead at the end of the third quarter, uh, showing that they were not going to be going anywhere without this being a you know a close contest. A few different lead changes in the fourth quarter and a tied game forced overtime, and the Thunder led throughout the whole overtime period to uh, to come up with the victory in this one. And uh, it's it's a, it was a great victory. I mean, the Warriors had out rebounded and uh, out play made. I suppose they had nearly double the assists of the Thunder in this game, but the Thunder did it defensively 17 steals as a team 
and seven blocks. Of course, uh, Chet Holmgren, one of the league leaders in blocks per game. Um, and they shot a better percentage from the floor and the free throw line, despite shooting only 17% from the three. And it just goes to show you, you know, the, the defensive impact and um, efficient overall shooting, even if you're not great from three, you can still win in this modern NBA that seems to be so uh, three-point focused. Uh, if we look at the box scores for the Warriors, I mean, Steph Curry was great, 34 points, six boards, three assists, and he was six of 12 from three-point range. Uh, not much more he could have done, really. Clay Thompson had 22 points, four of nine from three-point range. Uh, they got 12 each from both uh, Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green. Green also with 13 assists. And then how about off the bench? Jonathan Kaminga had 24 points and 12 rebounds. He was three of six from three-point range, uh, one of his better games of the season, certainly. They also got 12 off the bench from uh, the rookie Brandon Pachemski and 11 points, 12 boards for Dario Sarch. I mean, great all-around scoring for the most part. Um, it really was just the Thunders' uh, defensive impact to create more opportunities for themselves. And uh, SGA, 38 points, five boards, five assists, five steals. Uh, stellar stat line, even if he was 0 of 3 from three-point range. They got 28 points from Jalen Williams. Uh, that's Santa Clara Jalen Williams, um, along with three steals and a block. They got 21 points, seven boards, three blocks from Chet Holmgren, uh, 16 from Lou Dort, and then 10 off the bench from Cason Wallace. So pretty impressive win, especially with not having as widespread of scoring impact from the roster as a whole. But, you know, credit to SGA, to Holmgren. Um, those guys are emerging as kind of true stars along with great supporting cast in Williams and Dort. And then, you know, Giddy, uh, nine points, nine boards, three steals, four assists, still effective in his own way. Um, of course, that's kind of the, the weird um, out off the court situation for the Thunder, the whole Josh Giddy situation. Um, that was something we didn't have a chance to comment on that was, addressed by Adam Silver during the in-season tournament weekend. Of course, there's the allegations about Josh Giddy uh, having an improper relationship with an underage girl. And uh, when asked for comment, Adam Silver's uh, remark was basically, there's never been any sort of suspension or action taken by the league when a uh, police investigation is ongoing. You know, and that, that kind of thing needs to be fully confirmed whether that actually did happen by, you know, a police kind of investigation to determine if the league needs to suspend or do anything of that nature. So um, I guess we'll see what comes of the actual police investigation. Um, that's kind of the little bit of a cloud hanging over the thunder, but otherwise those young guys really powering the team to great victories, credit to their head coach. Um, and they've been very impressive. Great win for them against the, the warriors who continue to be, uh, a little bit perplexing, I suppose, at this point in the season. But that's it for our Friday games. Um, let's go ahead and send it over to Wyatt to talk about our next game. And uh, a game that means a lot to us as Jazz fans, uh, although they lost this game. But Wyatt, I'll let you take it away for that game from Monday. Yeah. So it's kind of a unique opportunity to look at two back-to-back -back Thunder games so we can kind of see the differences in their and kind of their play against these two different teams. So... Against the Jazz, they ended up with the with the win, winning one thirty four to one twenty. Uh, so strong offensive performances for both these teams, but kind of you know they didn't have the dominating defense that they had against uh, the Warriors. I mean they had good defense, but the Jazz may have even edged them out as far as defense statistics go. The 
they both had nine steals. The Jazz had nine blocks compared to the Thunder's seven. Uh, the Jazz did turn it over more, uh, 15 to the Thunder's 12. But overall, like, pretty even in most of the team stats, except for when you get down to the three-point percentage where the Thunder killed the Jazz, 47.4% from the three-point line compared to the Jazz's 31.6. So uh, the three-point ball game was very strong for uh, the Thunder on Monday night, last night, I should say. Uh, also, the, the Thunder got quite a few more fast break points, so looks like they pushed the pace a little bit. Kind of your top performers, Keontae George with a big night for the Jazz, 30 points. Uh, so congratulations to George uh, going up against Shai, Alec, Shay Alexander, who had a 30 points of his own for the Thunder. Uh, so impressive nights for both of those guys. Uh, Keontae George also had seven assists. Uh, compared to Giddy, Giddy's eight, and Giddy also pulled the ten rebounds down. So good job for him uh, on that. I know we talked about the recent allegations, so I'm going to go ahead and just move on past that and say, you know, good job on the, the basketball court at least. Um, the Thunder, they kind of dominated the entire game. Uh, they, the Jazz tied with them once but never led uh and the thunder led by as much as 38 points early in the fourth quarter so um kind of a you know kind of a sad game for the jazz for a little while but they got back in it within uh 14 to end the game look at the box score here for a minute for the jazz you know we already covered the big night by uh Keontae George with 30 points he also, you know, had those seven assists and pulled down a few rebounds. He made all of his free throws, shot five for nine for the three-point line. So he had good performance, definitely contributed to keeping it, you know, a little higher than it could have been without his <laughs> uh, successful three-point shooting Monday night. And then he also shot 10 for 17 from the field. So great job for him. Other double-digit scores, we had Sexton and who had 20 points. Uh, he also had four rebounds. Town Horton Tucker, THT, had 11 uh, points. Uh, and Simone Fontecchio, Fontecchio, he had 19 points uh, and four blocks. So impressive defensive statistics there. He also yeah. shot for three for six from the three-point line. Uh, and seven out of 11 from the field. So uh, good percentages for him too. So you may be wondering why was their three-point percentage, you know, so much lower than the Thunders. And that would be, you know, 0 for 1, 0 for 2, 0 for 4, 1 for 3, 1 for 4, 1 for 4, 0 for 1, 1 for 4. So yeah. basically everyone else kind of struggled from the three-point line, um, except for Keontae George and Simone. If we look mm -hmm. at the Thunder's stat line here, they did a great job of sharing the ball. Uh, lots of players in double digits. You know, we talked about Alexander's 30 points. Giddy had 12. Chet Holmgren was 16. He also had eight boards and uh, two blocks and two assists. Jalen Williams had 15 points. 
and then you know three assists, three rebounds. Uh, so he was good across the board. He was also two for two from the three point line. Um, Kaysen Wallace had ten points, two blocks, three rebounds, two assists, and there was one more. Oh yeah, Dang, he had. Osman Dang had 18 points, uh, three assists, three rebounds. So good job uh, to the Thunder for sharing the ball here. Now let's look at those three-point uh, percentages. I know we're focusing a lot on the three-point tonight, but that's just because felt like that was where the huge difference was in these teams. Kaysen Wallace, two for four. Jalen Williams, two for two. Chet Holmgren, two for three. Josh Giddy, two for three. Isaiah Joe, three for seven. Osman Dang, Three for four. Jay, the other Jalen Williams, this one with an I, one for one. So, you know, oh, and Aaron Wiggins, one for one. You know, you had some misses in here. Uh, Michik was 0 for three. Trey Mann was 0 for one. Pokoseski, 0 for two. Then Davis Burton's was one for two. And Lindy Waters, one for four. So, you know, there were, there were still some misses, but a lot of the team was shooting very well from the three-point line. So kind of a different take, a different play style from the Thunder a little bit against the Jazz than they did against the Thunder. So it kind of show or against the Warriors, so it kind of shows their versatility. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, yeah, great win again for the Thunder, being able to um, – I mean, it, those are kind of the games that go under the radar – uh, a team like the Jazz has been struggling sometimes. Um, you come off of a big win in overtime against a, a stronger t- opponent. You can have a letdown game. And so for them to come out and, you know, take care of business, especially early like they did, um, is a great sign for such a young team to be able to recognize that situation. Um, one of the reasons that we kind of picked this game was definitely to to focus on the Jazz a little bit more. Uh, of course, we tend to avoid it in the sense that we, of course, as we mentioned, are jazz fans. So we don't want to show favoritism towards them in terms of more coverage, especially where they're struggling this year. They're not one of the worst teams. They're not a great team. They're not really in the play-in mix in any kind of way. Um, So they get kind of forgotten. Of course, when we do our franchise focus for them, we'll talk at length, but I wanted to take just a couple minutes to talk more jazz in in depth and kind of the season. you know, we mentioned Keontae George. That was a big reason for picking this game as well. Career high, 30 points, seven assists, as Wyatt said. Um, and I just want to give maybe a preview for next episode and our weekly predictions. I am I think I'm going to talk about Keontae George, so definitely look forward to that. But pay attention to what the Jazz do with Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, and Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, those guys can have great good moments for the jazz. They can bring great production. You know, they're not afraid to shoot. That's true, but the percentages are not great. They're not very efficient. And uh, when they have the ball in their hands, are they always making the best decisions? You know, I, I, I don't want to be negative on these guys in any sense. Cause you know, they've, they've had plenty of plays that have won the jazz games, but you know, you look at Clarkson, I mean, he's shooting below 30% from three point range. Um, and actually just a quick update on him while we're on the subject. Um, there's a report uh, just a couple hours ago, Jordan Clarkson is going to be out at least two weeks with some sort of thigh injury. So that's not going to be great for the jazz. Um, they've had injury troubles with, with Markinen and, and Kessler missing a lot of games. I mean, Markinen, neither Markinen nor Kessler played in this game, for example. Um, but the bright spots, Keontae George, 
And also Fontecchio, like you mentioned, he's had a chance to start more games and get that three-point shooting up. I think he's been a nice little bright spot for the Jazz, and maybe he could be their starting small forward for a little bit. But um, yeah, I think we'll try and find some time to talk about the Jazz a little bit more in depth. You know, we've maybe shied away too much to the point where we barely talked about them. But uh, either way, yeah, great couple of wins for the Thunder. And uh, I suppose we'll leave it at that. You know, just a couple of comments on the Jazz situation uh, at the current moment. But let's move on to that next game uh, from last night, Monday night. We're going to talk about the uh, New Orleans Pelicans getting a very impressive win in, uh, well, at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who were the team with the best record in all of the NBA at that point. Uh, 121 to 107, your final score in New Orleans and a great bounce back win for a team that had kind of let down in their semifinal appearance in the in-season tournament. Um, It was a close first half. After that, the Pelicans had a great run in the third and, uh, you know, closed it with a great run in the fourth as well. Really owned kind of the second half uh, in a sense. You look at the box scores for the Timberwolves. um, They were without Anthony Edwards, who's been dealing with injury. So that's certainly something to be factored in. But uh, they still had a lot of other great players, of course. Uh, Led in scoring, three different guys had 17 points. Carl Anthony Towns. Mike Conley and uh, Nas Reed, Reed, of course, coming off the bench. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns also with 12 rebounds, so very solid game for him. Uh, 12 points off the bench for both Jaden McDaniels and Shake Milton. Um, not terrible shooting, but they just didn't get you know a big standout offensive performance from any of those guys, and they just need a little bit more scoring, I suppose. You could say that of any game, but uh, the Pelicans really got the job done with their stars, especially Zion Williamson, 36 points five boards, a steal and a block, about 10 of 12 from free throw line, um, shooting above 75% from the floor, you know, really dominated the game. And uh, I think that was a nice little statement win after, again, he had a poor performance in that quarterfinal game. Uh, They also got 23 points from CJ McCollum with four boards, four assists, a steal and a block, and he was four of seven from three-point range, so doing a little bit of everything on the floor. Uh, They got 20 points from Brandon Ingram, 14 points, 13 boards for Valanchunas, who also grabbed two steals, two blocks. Um, and then they got 10 boards from Herb Jones and then 10 points off the bench from Trey Murphy the third. And this is what we've seen in recent years with the Pelicans. When they have all their stars playing and they have those great supporting pieces in Jones, Murphy, Alvarado as the backup point, and now Dyson Daniels, who's developing, and the rookie Jordan Hawkins, I mean – they can be one of those top four teams in the West. And they've been a, a better team uh, at this point than, uh, you know, especially with Zion coming back again from injury at the start of the season, you know, they've been, they've been good and they've been above 500. The question is, can they continue to build Can they get consistent and can they, you know, actually fulfill that promise and be that kind of top tier team. Um, otherwise, you know, that's kind of looking in the future. This game alone, great win for them. Great statement win against the Timberwolves, albeit with the asterisk of no Anthony Edwards, uh, but a great win nonetheless. And um, that's our third game. Wyatt, I'll go ahead and send it back to you for uh, an overtime affair uh, from yeah. last night's action. Hard to believe, but the Bulls forced the Bucks into overtime uh, where they ended up losing by four points, 129 to 133. But this it's kind of a surprising, uh, surprisingly close game considering the Bulls are twelfth uh, in the East and the Bucks are third. Uh, so good job to the Bulls, really making them work for it. 
the Bucks led the entire game. Uh, a few t- they were tied five times uh, throughout the game, and then the Bulls made a free throw at the very beginning of overtime and ha- led by one. But other than that, the entire game was led by the the Bucks. So, uh, you know, close at times, but also the Bucks led by as much as fourteen or uh, later in the second quarter. Some interesting statistics about the team, you know the the Bucks shared the ball well. They had thirty four assists compared to the Bulls twenty five. They also turned the ball over though <laughs> eleven compared to the Bulls six. Uh, overall shooting percentages, they shot from the field a little bit better fifty one compared to the Bulls forty one. But their three point shooting was a uh, little little bit less than the Bulls. They were 40 compared to the Bulls 44, but pretty close all around. The Bulls whipped them as far as second chance buckets go, but Milwaukee ran the floor and uh, also dominated the paint. So, uh, you know, they each had their strengths and I think they both did a good job of playing two of those strengths this game. Our top scorers here, DeMar DeRozan with 41 points for the Bulls. Uh, Giannis Attentacumpo had 32 for the Bucks. So great performances by both of those uh, players. And, you know, that's kind of what we expect from these two stars. The Bulls were led in rebounds by Andre Drummond with 16. And surprisingly, Chris Middleton pulled down the most boards for the Bucks, having 13. Uh, you know, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, not super small, but he's he runs like the small forward shooting guard position. So a little bit surprising to see him pulling down so many boards. DeMar DeRozan had 11 assists. Damian Lillard had nine. Uh, So great performances there. Let's jump into the box score a little bit more in depth and see who else carried the team here. For the Bulls, DeMar DeRozan was supported significantly by Kobe White, who had 33 points. He also had six boards and four assists. Nikola Vucevic had 14 points, uh, 10 boards, 5 assists. So good job, big man dishing the ball. Patrick Williams had 15 points, 7 boards, 2 assists. And he shot uh, 50% from the three-point uh, three line, 100% from free throws. But it was only 2, so. Uh, but great job anyway. DeMar DeRozan, in addition to his 41 points, had 11 assists, so did a great job of uh, handling the ball and getting it to his open teammates. Uh, He also shot 50% from the three-point line, but he shot three out of six. So uh, he helped the team a lot, and, you know, of course, that will add up for his points scored. And then we jump down, we'll give a courtesy... Uh, Andre Drummond, he had nine points, so close to double digits, but he, like I mentioned earlier, also had 16 rebounds. He also had an assist and a steal. So good performance by Andre Drummond. Uh, You know, just impacted the game in a little bit different way than the other guys we mentioned. For the Bucks, Giannis's 32 points was supported by several other uh, members of the team that had double-digit scoring. Brooke Lopez and Malik Beasley, both with 19 points. Um, 
Beasley had four. Actually, they both had. No, no, no. Beasley had four rebounds. Brooke Lopez had three. Um, and then Lopez also had three blocks. So good job on the defensive end for Brooke Lopez. Damian Lillard, only 14 points tonight, but he had nine assists. So he was being a distributor, little John Stockton in him. Uh, Bobby Portis, 17 points, seven boards, uh, and, you know, pretty good shooting. He had shot 63% from the field. And then A.J. Green with 12. He also had five rebounds, three assists. He was four for five from the three-point line, so really strong shooting from A.J. Green. I also failed to mention Malik Beasley, five for eight from the three-point line, so uh, great job for him. Uh, Damian Lillard struggled a little bit from the three-point line, just in case anyone was wondering, like I was. He was uh, two for nine. So, uh, you know, every, even the greats have their struggles, and I'm sure we'll see him bounce back and have a stellar night here pretty soon. And yeah, I'll send absolutely. it back to you, Karsten. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. No, I, of course, Lillard's gonna gonna be back at with a you know, I'm sure plenty of great shooting performances. I'm glad he mentioned Malik Beasley though towards the end i mean how great has he been as a an acquisition of course lillard was the big name in the offseason but beasley was part of that as far as a signing you know he became the starter at the shooting guard and he's been averaging about 12 points a game similar to his you know career averages uh, for the most part but he's shooting 46 percent from three and i mean that's just been such a huge boost for the bucks you know has been a big factor i mean in this game for example five of eight uh, that's been a great acquisition for them. So just wanted to highlight that real quick. Um, but otherwise, you know, yeah, great win for Milwaukee. Kind of a surprise for the Bulls to be in it that much. But um, yeah, great win nonetheless. Uh, and great for them to be able to get these kind of wins and get some great performances from Chris Middleton, who, again, continues to be a touch of a, a question mark for the Bucks as far as how much he can impact the team this season as they continue to work him back in from recent yeah. injuries. But. And I'll th- I'll throw out there with the Beasley, uh, Middleton kind of, uh, combo. You know, Beasley was an especially good pickup because of his three point percentage. Where Middleton kind of had shouldered that role a little bit in the past of being kind of the spot up shooter for a team that really didn't have a lot of three point shooting. And he's mm-hmm. uh, you know, because he's only shooting thirty six percent from the, uh three-point line this season and yeah you know, of course they lost uh Grayson Allen so it's good yeah. to have another three-point shooter for sure and uh I mean the year that they the Bucks won the championship in 2021 Middleton was that guy like you said I mean about 41 percent from three so that certainly is for them to get that with uh with Beasley while Middleton works to get just a touch more consistent that'll certainly be huge for them um, absolutely. So yeah, that takes care of that game. Let's go ahead and jump into our last game. We're going to focus on from last night's action. And that is, uh, the LA Clippers winning at home against the Portland trailblazers, 132 to 127. Um, as the Clippers, we'll talk about them. Well, I'll just preview with my power rankings. At least they haven't really had a chance to move, even though they've been winning a bit more, but, uh, they could start to make some mo- noise as they've started to get a little bit more, uh, clear on the lineup 
uh, with Westbrook kind of moving to that bench role and Harden's been playing a touch better. Um, but it was a competitive game and especially third quarter, there was several lead changes um, in the game. There was 18 total lead changes um, and uh, looked like late the Trailblazers might have a chance to steal the win, but the Clippers able to go on a, a nice run in the closing minutes to, to come out with a victory. And uh, the teams were pretty comparable in a lot of statistical categories. Clippers had a few more defensive numbers, um, but they shot better overall from the floor and from the free throw line, even if they were lesser from the three-point line in terms of percentage. Um, if you look at stats for the, uh, I'll start with the Trailblazers. Uh, Anthony Simons, only like his third game back from the thumb injury, scored 38 points in this game, uh, making five of his 11 three-point attempts. And then uh, Shaden Sharp, the underrated second year guy who gets lost in, you know, Simons and the rookie Henderson being a little more of the focus. Uh, Sharp has been maybe the best of all the, all three of those guys so far this season, 27 points for him yeah. in this game, uh, four of nine from three with six assists. You know, those guys looking good, looking like, you know, shades of, of McCollum and Lillard almost, you know, we don't want to go quite <laughs> that far, but uh, you know, great performances for them. Scoot Henderson with 19 off the bench in uh, about 30 minutes. So he's still showing some flashes of what he can be in this league. They got 11 points from Matisse Stiebel and 10 points from Duop Reith, who uh, I, uh, going into the season, that was the first time I was aware of his name, unfortunately. Um, but he's been he's been a consistent member of their roster, got the start and, uh, you know, put some points up. So credit to him uh, showing that little, you know, stretch five with the two of six from three point range in that uh, in that win. And then Moses Brown off the bench had 12 rebounds. Um, of course, he's been a unique player who's gotten spot minutes, you know, in his couple of seasons in the league, um, about a seven foot two center, you know, could maybe be something if he gets more of an opportunity. But um Regardless, some nice rebounds for him in that game. But then you look at the things for the Clippers. This is kind of more what I'm talking about with them finding the roster fit. Kawhi leading the way, uh, 34 points, six boards, five assists, and three steals. So the two-way play you expect from Kawhi, um, about 58% from the floor. Then you have 20 points each from both Paul George, who also had eight boards and eight assists, and James Harden, who had seven boards, seven assists, but also two blocks and a steal. Harden with that defensive impact, you know, he gets a hard time a lot of the time because, you know, you think of him as a poor defender, but he has the capability. And if he can do that and add the scoring with George, that'll be a great thing for them. And then you look at the other guys, Zubats with 18 points, six boards, two blocks, and then off the bench, Westbrook with 12 points, six assists, leading that second unit. And then the leading scorer off the bench, Norman Powell, was 16 points. That is the recipe for the Clippers' success this season is, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, the stars. Harden is that third guy that they could hope for in terms of scoring and doing a lot of other things with his his skill set. Zubat's filling up, you know, the inside in terms of cleaning the glass. Defensively, you know, a role threat. And then you have, you know, Terrence Mann, who can pick up some points as your your fifth guy in your starting lineup. And then Westbrook and Powell in your backcourt lead your second unit with, you know, Tice now in there as a, a serviceable backup big. That's where the Clippers can be successful. The big question is how they fit P.J. Tucker in the lineup, who's starting to kind of chafe with how he's been used in L.A. But otherwise, that would be the recipe for the Clippers returning to that 
top tier conversation in the Western Conference. Um, so a great win for them. And we'll have to see if they can make that more of a consistent thing to expect from their lineup and their team. But in the moment, a great win. And they they have the potential, as we said, to kind of start climbing the uh, the standings a little bit if they can be um, a little more consistent. But yeah, that- Westbrook Powell is a pretty impressive, you know, second group. to Yeah, like you know. a backup backcourt. Yeah, it's hard to think of a much better pairing than that. Yeah. So, yeah, very impressive. But uh, again, we'll just have to see what happens with them. So that's it for the five games we're focusing on. We'll real quick run through some other stats from from both Friday and Monday Um, on Friday's games. And there was a ton of games, so I'm not going to give you all the game scores, but I'll give you some quick stats Um, from the Raptors loss uh, at home to the Knicks. Scotty Barnes. uh, Let's see. Was that? Oh, no, sorry. That's Friday's stats. Am I not on Friday? Oh, I'm on the previous Friday. Yeah. My apologies. Uh, <laughs> well prepared. Um, Friday's game in Charlotte against the Hornets. They lost that game, too. Um, but Scotty Barnes had 31 points, 10 boards, 10 assists for a triple-double there. So great game for him. Um, also from Friday night, the uh, the Spurs, let's see, who did they play? They were at home against the Chicago Bulls. They lost that game, but when Benyama, 21 points, 20 rebounds. Um, not only was that only the second 2020 game by a teenager in NBA history, the other being Dwight Howard, but he's the youngest ever, full stop, to put up that kind of stat line. So he's still a bit raw. The Spurs are struggling, but the the talent is there. He's still shining through his long-term potential. Um, and then the other Clipper game from Friday night, uh, Kawhi did have 41 points in that game in Utah in the win. So impressive stuff there in that stat, uh, you know, that sense of the stats, uh, from Monday night, last night, let's talk about, uh, Joel Embiid and what he's been doing lately in that game, 34 points, 11 rebounds, the home win against the wizards. Um, with that game, he, that was the seventh straight. 30.10 rebound game, which is the longest streak in the NBA since Shaq did that uh, in 2001. And with that particular game, he also passed Charles Barkley for the most such games, 30.10 rebound games in franchise history. So great cat, you know, conversation for Embiid to be in as he's, you know, carving out his legacy as one of the best players of our, uh, you know, generation and of this decade, certainly. So yeah, great stats for him. Um, of course, the Detroit Pistons, this is a prelude to one of our DEFCON conversations. They lost at home to the Indiana Pacers and that was their 20th straight loss. Certainly concerning for them. Um, in the, uh, the Hawks loss at home to the Denver Nuggets, Bogdan Bogdanovich had 40 points. So great scoring for him. And then uh, some great stats from the Dallas Mavericks win in Memphis against the Grizzlies. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. did have 41 points for the Grizzlies, um, but Luka had 35 points, eight boards, and six assists. And in that game, he also became the youngest in NBA history to reach 1,000 career three-point shots made. So a lot wow. of great a lot of great stats to note from um, the last night. And I'll add one last stat that we didn't have a chance to mention with the Bulls-Bucks game. With DeRozan's 41.11 assist game, he joined Michael Jordan as the only Bulls in the franchise's history with a 
10 game. So pretty elite company for DeRozan, even amidst the, the trade wins and trade conversation about do the Bulls trade DeRozan and or Levine. But uh, great stats nonetheless. And that takes care of our game summaries, our, our six men, all that kind of stuff. Let's real quick run through the key news. There's a few items to talk about here. Uh, starting with an update on the Lakers and their in-season tournament championship. They're actually going to be raising a banner commemorating that championship, but I think the way they're doing it is good. Uh, first of all, it'll be a distinct shape and color from all their other banners, so it'll be set apart. But more importantly, um, it'll be one singular banner for all of the in-season tournament uh, related you know, events. And so if they win multiple in-season tournament championships, they'll just add the year to that singular banner. I think that's the way to do it because it gets its own banner. It gets recognized, but it's not a singular big banner for each NBA title. And especially for a franchise like the Lakers, I think that's the great way to, to make sure the emphasis is proper. So Mm -hmm. uh, update there for them. Quick transactional note for the Celtics. They have waived forward Nathan Knight, who is on two way contract. It'll be interesting to see who they potentially signed to replace that contract. Um, for the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young was fined $25,000 for confronting and directing inappropriate language towards a game official at the end of the Hawks' loss uh, last Wednesday to the Brooklyn Nets. So I guess worth noting there. And then a bunch of injury updates, unfortunately. Uh, you know, recent injuries, firstly for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Kyrie Irving is out indefinitely with a right heel contusion. Um, not really a timeline set at this moment. Uh, for the Pelicans, Matt Ryan is out with a right elbow injury and a subsequent surgery that I think is going to happen in the next day or so. And he'll be reevaluated in six to eight weeks. So kind of a longer timeline, uh, even longer for the New York Knicks. Mitchell Robinson is out at least two months with a left ankle surgery. Uh, he'll be reevaluated in eight to 10 weeks, that two months time frame, roughly. Um, and then for the Spurs, Charles Bassey is out for the season with a torn left ACL devastating for all three of those guys and and Kyrie as well longer term injuries you hate to see that and we want to wish those guys the best in recovering from those injuries as well as Jordan Clarkson of course we mentioned he'll be out a couple weeks with that thigh injury Um, but then we do have some positive note uh, a positive note in the injury conversation Uh, Bradley Beal is targeting a return tonight versus the Warriors Uh, that game might have already started at this point that we're recording it but that'll be great to have him in the lineup even though Kevin Durant is out with, uh, you know, dealing with an ankle, at least an injury or maybe soreness. Uh, so we're still not getting the big three on the lineup yeah. uh, on the floor. That hasn't happened yet in the regular season, but it could be close with Beal returning. So hopefully that's the case. Another positive, uh, LaMelo Ball, mm. who he has resumed some activities and will be reevaluated reevaluated in a week with his ankle okay that is so. good I, I don't think i had seen that so that is great to hear that he's going to be hopefully returning somewhat soon yeah. uh, from that injury and then a couple of other news items that came up just as we started recording first of all there's apparently a conversation from ted uh leonisis or however you pronounce his name he's the owner of the wizards and the capitals um Apparently, he's planning to move both franchises out of downtown D.C. and uh, into northern Virginia. Now, that'll be interesting if they I imagine they would keep the the naming, uh, but probably just wants a new arena. I mean, that arena isn't that old, but 
that doesn't stop owners from wanting new arenas. So uh, <laughs> we'll have to see if that happens. But uh, the only other thing is uh, the Chicago Bulls are actually starting a ring of honor. Uh, a few different NBA teams have similar things. Uh, and the inaugural class is going to have all the heavy hitters. Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, uh, Tony Kukoc is in there, Bob Love, Jerry Sloan, Chet Walker, Artis Gilmore. Um, those are all your players that'll join in your coaches or, or executive type guys, you know, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause, uh, Tex Winter, uh, Johnny Red Kerr, and uh, what was the other name? It was, a, I believe, one of the coaches in the at the beginning of the franchise history, Dick Klein. Um, and then also they'll recognize the 96 team as a whole team. So pretty much the big ones at this point. Uh, there's probably plenty of names that you'd like to see join them uh, in coming years, but that's cool for them to start their own ring of honor, a very storied franchise. And uh, that should take care of our key news. Um, and uh, that's the end of that bigger segment to start the show. Uh, let's go ahead and waste no more time. Let's jump into our power rankings conversation. Power rankings. All right, why I'm going to let you actually kind of take the lead. Hopefully you're prepared to start off the conversation with your power rankings. Oh, my middle name is prepared. Um, <laughs> I have had a little bit of movement in my top five here. Uh, a little bit of movement that's kind of sad to see because the Nuggets are now dropped down three places to number five in my list, which, um, you know, is I, I like the Nuggets, so it's a little bit sad for me, but also they won last year, so you know, and this isn't like they're out, you know, by any means. They're still they're still a very strong team sitting at uh fourth in the West on rankings. Uh otherwise the Thunder moved up one to four, so it's still shocking, but good job, Thunder. The Bucks are up two to second. Uh Celtics and Timberwolves remain one and three respectively. I know that might not be a popular um, opinion with the Timberwolves being one in the West right now. I have them ranked third behind both of the uh, top teams in the East, barring the Magic, who are actually second in the in the East with a tied record with the Bucks. But I just I can't imagine the Timberwolves uh, succeeding against the Bucks or Celtics long term. But the Pacers did, so uh, moving on. Mavericks and Lakers both moved up a couple spots. They're 7 and 8. Uh, I should throw in the Magic are 6th. Uh, also, like the Thunder, very impressed by their standing so far this season. Uh, the Sixers moved down one spot to ninth, And the Pacers moved into my top 10, going up three spots. Uh, so... Great job to the Pacers. Now, other big movers through the rest of my list. This Kings down four. Uh, not necessarily because, you know, it's not like they had a bad week. They were one and one, but just kind of some impressive uh, weeks for Lakers, Sixers, Pacers, uh, and even the Mavericks all, all going undefeated this week. Uh, other big movement. You know, I actually really didn't have any big movement. I had... You know, Cavs moved up a couple spots. Suns and Knicks dropped, 
dropped a couple spots and then just a lot of one, you know, a lot of swaps, basically. Clippers and Heat swapped. Nets and Pelicans swapped. Warriors moved up two to bump the Rockets and Hawks each down one. Nothing super exciting in that latter half of my power rankings. Uh, bottom three remained the same with the Spurs, Wizards, and Pistons being my bottom three teams. Okay, fair enough. I, I do find it interesting that you've kept the Spurs above the Wizards, even though the Wizards have like one more win. I mean, I we're, yeah. you know, there's not much of a difference, I suppose. I mean, like you said, they're the bottom kind of three teams at this point, but uh, just a small note. Uh, in well, terms I think of my... they're tied, actually. I think they're both three and 19, Wizards and Spurs. Oh, I yeah, they're tied now because... Um, yeah. Yeah. Spurs just won. Right. Did they or, just win tonight? Or no, that's wrong. Oh. The Wizards just lost. That's what would tie their. Gotcha. I think that's what made their record tie. Okay. Yeah. Fair right. enough. No, you're Un- good. Unimportant, um, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're they're very close, but um, no, for me, I I ended up moving the Timberwolves up to number one. Of course, at the end of last week, which is you know the week seven end of week seven power rankings. They had a number one record in the NBA. You know, they've been very consistent from, you know, start of the season on. They've consistently been moving up. And I'm with you as far as the doubts of, is this sustainable for the whole season? And in a playoff setting, will they actually be able to, you know, be better than teams like Celtics, Bucks? Um, So I get that aspect, but they've, they've really earned this so far, you know, um, especially with Anthony Edwards out for, you know, recent games, they've been able to, to keep the ship afloat and uh, take that top spot. So, uh, and, you know, defensively, they've been doing it. Gobert has kind of proved the doubters wrong after last season. He's had a great year, a great bounce back year. Um, the lineup seems solid. Nas Reed is underrated as a sixth man. So I, I wanted to move the Timberwolves up and uh, especially they were two and zero last week and the Celtics fall actually to number two, um, just cause, you know, they've been, it's a reverse. They've been at the top spot just cause of reputation and, and previous years, and they've been good, but now the Timberwolves have been a little bit better. So can the Celtics kind of regain that spot? We'll have to see. I uh, kept bucks three thunder and magic each moved up one spot. They round out the top five and nuggets for the first time the season fell out of the top five. Um, so we'll have to see. I, I don't anticipate that staying the same, but again, there's just, Concerns with the depth and concerns about Jokic's, I mean, he has so many triple-double games or great games that get lost um, due to the supporting cast not being able to get the job done. Jamal Murray's back. That'll definitely help, but they move down to six. Um, And then you have Sixers, Mavericks moving up, and then nine and ten, I have Lakers and Pacers, Lakers nine, Pacers ten. Definitely wanted to move them into the top ten. Well, they've earned it record-wise, but also with the in-season tournament. Felt like, you know, they've, they've proved something. Uh, at the very least, winning those type of games. Um, And then Kings fall out of the top 10, as do the Suns. Um, Other than that, kind of similar, not too many big moves. Um, My bottom four stayed the same. Grizzlies, Wizards, Spurs, and then at the very bottom, the Pistons, um, as we'll have a chance to talk about. But nothing too crazy. Um, Tim Rolls at the top. Let's see if they can hold on to that spot. But uh, otherwise, I think that kind of takes care of our power rankings. Not much more you can say about it than that. So let's see if we can move on here and talk about our uh, latest installment of DEFCON Levels. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. 
DEFCON levels. Okay. We've each got, well, I've got three. Wyatt's got two. Uh, I took the lead this time. And uh, we've got five total topics we're going to run through. Um, if you're not familiar, it, DEFCON is a you know military-type term. If it's DEFCON 5, that means you know peace, everything's good, no concerns really. And then four is there's some concern, and three, and it goes all the way down to DEFCON 1, which is the highest, like red alert, everyone be aware uh, kind of a thing. And I'm sure there's a better way to explain it. But um, I'll go ahead and waste no more time. Let me jump into it. We've alluded to the Pistons. This is kind of what I had in mind in the conversation. And uh, people are talking about this with the season they've had. They're 2-21. and 21. Um, They're <laughs> really struggling. 20 straight losses, as we mentioned. Um why, what do you think the DEFCON level is on the Detroit Pistons setting the record for most losses in a season? Now, to give some context, the current record is held by the 1973 76ers, who went 9-73. and 73. Uh, That was a winning percentage of uh, about 11% of their games. Uh, that's not the lowest winning percentage. Mm-hmm. The Bobcats, the 2012 Bobcats, it was an abbreviated schedule, but they only won 10.6% of their games. With their current record of 2-21, and 21, the Pistons are winning 8.7% of their games. So they're on pace to break the record. But what do you think the right. DEFCON level is for that happening? See, I thought you were going to go with the uh, uh, kind of the thing, you know, spinoff of what I did with the Spurs last week of them beating the record for most losses in an NBA season or longest losing streak in an NBA season. Oh, right. I, that I, could happen, I think too. it's like 26 or something. Probably. Let's um, I'm I'm gonna look which, that up while and you that answer was, that. I think that was the 2013, 2014 Sixers. Yeah, um, probably. But so losing records to be taken from the Sixers either way. <laughs> but yeah. Uh DEFCON level for that. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a three, you know, because I think that it it's right in the middle of like it very well could happen. Like I don't, I don't really see anything changing for the Pistons, unless mm. they make some crazy, you know, trades or something before the deadline. But why would they? You know, just, yeah. I I kind of expect them to just continue to tank and get some good draft picks this season, whatever. Uh. So yeah, but but you know, there's other bad teams. Yeah, uh, the Spurs are not doing well. The Wizards are terrible as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like it's not like everyone will easily beat on the Pistons. The Pistons can definitely pick up some games here and there against some other teams that are having a hard time, and even some you know decent teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a very uh, very middle of the road. Uh, Aaron Burr type answer there, but <laughs> no, fair enough. I, I I can certainly get behind that. Um, I think it's a valid answer. I was curious to see on the schedule. It won't be until January 10th that the Pistons play the Spurs. Um, I think yeah, there's a there's a chance that they win at least one or two games before they play the Spurs. Um, especially they have talent. I mean, Cade Cunningham has been productive in his third year has been healthy. Yeah. They have, you know, guards, they have, um, you know, I think the injury bug has been underrated. Um, so that's certainly an impact to consider. 
Um, and yeah, the Spurs are losers of 17 straight. I think you said that they broke the the franchise record for most consecutive losses. So I think it was 16 uh, last year's, but yeah. So they've you know they've been right there with the Pistons, you know, not really losing any ground in terms of the race to consecutive <laughs> yeah. losses. But uh, yeah, to answer the question as far as most consecutive games lost, the record uh, is a tie between the Cleveland Cavaliers of the 2011 season and the Philadelphia 76ers of the 2014 season. Like you said, they both lost 26 games in a row. And so wow. the pist- the Pistons are, sniff- are sniffing that they could uh, <laughs> yeah. they could break that record and they could be certainly in that conversation. But um, technically, if you want most consecutive games lost across seasons, that would be Sixers, Sixers, twenty fifteen yeah. and twenty sixteen. They lost twenty eight straight. But um, yeah, they're they're in the mix. They're they're in the running. So. <laughs> I would probably say go Pistons. <laughs> yeah, go Pistons. I I don't want them to lose that many. I want them to be a good team, um, especially for Detroit's sake and the fan base's sake. I want you know, but I just I don't see a reason for it to to end. What's the change? You know, I, yeah. I mean, the the group finally just gelling and Monty Williams figuring out the right button buttons. I mean, he's been a good coach, but um, I don't know. It, it just when you have that kind of a run. Sometimes that's enough to just set the tone for the rest of the season. And so I would go probably DEFCON 2. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about the Pistons at the moment. But okay. um, yeah, I'll go ahead and leave it at that. Wyatt, go ahead and hit me with your first topic. All right. This one's uh, definitely controversial. Going to have some hate mail sent in here. Here we go. Um, but what is, what is the DEFCON level on LBJ, LeBron James, post- in-season tournament victor what is the defcon level that that will be a contributing factor to michael jordan stalwarts yielding the goat status to lebron i am gonna say <laughs> defcon five um, yeah. <laughs> and i'm sure that's the response you expect but mm-hmm. i mean it's just I think what the in-season tournament will be is, you know, a fun, I don't know if this is the right analogy to use spring break seems wrong, but it's more just like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a fun, it's, you know, the epitome of the entertainment aspect of the NBA, you know, it's in Vegas and it's single elimination. It's all about the excitement of the moment. And, um, you know, that just raising the competitive level in November, you know, I don't think it's going to have a ton of weight in. I, I think it's valuable. But if we're talking about the conversations that the Jordan defenders and LeBron defenders have in terms of, oh, the greatest of all time, those are the people that are going to say, oh, it's a a Mickey Mouse championship or whatever, right. you know, whatever you want to call that. So in that sense, they are not going to care especially not the Jordan fans Yeah, that that'll be almost like a point of like, well, he, you know, was so competitive about, you know, they won this little thing that means nothing. It's almost like a point against him. That's Mm kind of how they'll frame it. If I know anything about them. Um, I think it's valuable. I think it's cool for him to have won the first ever um, and, you know, says something about his competitiveness and, you know, the sense that, Oh, 
there's this new thing up for grabs. We have the chance to be the first ever to win it. And they were purely dominant and he was great. So, you know, that's not my take, but in terms of how they'll argue it. Yeah. They're, they're not gonna, that's DEFCON five. It's not going right. to go, it's not going to go that way. So no, I um, agree. I would also say that. <laughs> yeah. So it's because they already don't count the bubble win, you know? Yeah. They're like, Oh, that was half a ring, <laughs> which is ridiculous because yeah, like, like, okay. <laughs> if every team had the same circumstance, so what does it right, matter? Yeah. But I, you know, you you could even argue the other way of like, you know, maybe that's one and a half rings for freaking the world turning upside down and yeah, you know, chaos. Yeah, I don't know. Playing through that and being isolated in in the Orlando situation, you know, I right. mean that. Yeah, I I would say it's, you know, if nothing else, it's it's no different than yeah, in terms of impressiveness sure. level, but. Um, yeah, that's that's a great example. Uh, thank you for that one. I'm going to go um, another player topic here. Um, we're talking John Morant, of course, and maybe the next couple of weeks he'll be nearing the return from the suspension. Um, and he actually, I believe, testified in court today about the case that was um, uh, another one of the incidents before the whole Instagram live stuff. Um, so there's plenty of talking points around John Morant, not including his return from suspension, but how about this one? Why, what is your DEFCON level on John Morant playing at an all-star level this season? Once he returns. Ooh, Ooh, that is a good one. That's a really good one. Um, (laughs) I don't don't know because, you know, Conditioning is very real, you know, Mm. like I'm sure he's, you know, trying to stay fit, trying to stay conditioned so that it's a seamless transition, but it won't be, you know, there's, it's just hard to really train at the level that you're going to compete at, Mm. uh, you know, no matter what your resources are, um, but he's a young dude. He, you know, is immensely athletic. I wouldn't be surprised if he bounces back and transitions quickly, you know, gets through that conditioning period quickly. Hmm. <sighs> but he also relies so much on his athleticism, you know. Yeah. Like that's a big part of his game. So if it's if it's uh, lacking, it's going to be hard for him to... Yeah, well, but you got to think that during this whole time, I mean, it's not like he's injured and out. He's just suspended. No, yeah. So you got to figure that he's putting in some time with a, you know, a trainer and and staying right. in as best shape as he can. Yeah, and I'm sure he is, and I'm sure you know he's main like he's still going to be a athletic beast for sure. Hmm. I don't know. I I'll give it like a. Do we have a date for the return? Uh, from what I saw, it could be as soon as a week from now. I'm gonna give it a two. Okay. I think I think that he'll come back and he'll come back strong. Uh, and I think it's early enough in the season that he will be able to, you know, impress the people he needs to impress with his performance. Yeah. You no. Know, I- much much later, and it's like, and eh, does he really have the time to be considered an all star? caliber mm. player but i think so. I'll, I'll give it a two okay I think he has a very real chance of it 
Yeah, and I would honestly kind of go to the same uh, as far as I don't know that he's going to really slow down and play. If it was a different question, if it was, you know, what are the chances, you know, what's the DEFCON level of him once he returns being, you know, the the perfect player and the perfect um, member of the team and not having any issues <laughs> that I would not be as sold on. And I don't mean to discredit or be negative about him. It's more just, you know, the speed that the second incident happened that caused the second suspension after that first one had ended was alarming, you know, mm -hmm. and there's been a few other incidents. That's more it, you know, and I, I hope that's not the case. And I feel like there's a chance it's not, but I'd be less sold on that track record wise. So yeah, yeah I, I think that's it for me. Let's hear, let's hear what you've got next okay. in our conversation. Minnesota Timberwolves. They, we, they've come up several times tonight in our show. Yeah. Uh, they are currently leading the West. Uh, what are what's the DEFCON level of them maintaining the position as number one in the in the West for the remainder of well, not necessarily stays at number one the entire rest of the regular season, but you know ends up uh, at the end of the regular season number one. Okay, so giving room for fluctuation, you're saying yeah, yeah DEFCON in and out. Yeah, end of the season they're number one. Um, now with power rankings, I was given Timberwolves the props and I still think they're very good. Um, but I think this is where the tentativeness kind of creeps back in <laughs> yeah. as far as, you know, well, let's actually look at it before I, you know, make a, a big claim. Let me look at who's the, the next teams up in the West at the moment. Yeah. Uh, they have Thunder Mavericks, Nuggets, Kings, Lakers round up mm -hmm. the top six. And they have two games on the the Thunder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all close. Um, but, you know, I've actually kind of changed my mind mid thought here. <laughs> I was I was okay. thinking I was going to go against it, but I'm I'm going to say DEFCON 2. You know, I don't know really? that. Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge lead, but we're a quarter of the way in. It's not like we're five games in. We're quarter of the way into the season and they've been consistent. They've claimed that spot. They're 10 and one at home. They're getting jobs done at home and they're winning games on the road. Um, I like that. Of course, the Anthony Edwards, him being more consistent in the health category in recent weeks, you know, it hasn't been a huge injury, but that would be, uh, you know, a big caveat. But I don't know if I see these other teams catching them you know mm -hmm. the, the thunder have a little bit less experience the mavericks now have the Kyrie injury right the nuggets have the depth concerns the kings are inconsistent and the lakers are at times inconsistent so i'm not sure i see a big leap from any of these teams to go up and chase a timberwolf so that's where i say defcon 2 now playoff competitiveness again that's a another question depending on who they face. But right now it's a DEFCON two on their, their chances to finish number one in the West. All right. I like it. I'd, I'd probably go three personally, mm -hmm. just because, you know, you do make some good points. I don't see, uh, you know, it's not likely that any of these teams will jump up and grab them. I, I think that the nuggets very well could, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers did. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, that would be my number one and two pick for if you had a team to go chase them. Yeah, yeah. But also, I, I say three just because 
Timberwolves in recent years haven't been all that consistent, you know. They have been yeah. this year. Uh so yeah, definitely credit to them for that, but I wouldn't be like blown away if suddenly they start losing. Yeah. No, that's fair. I I can definitely see both sides, but um yeah, yeah no. Great great uh a topic for sure. Uh let me go ahead and close this out for us. My last topic for you, we're going to talk about the Indiana Pacers. Um of course they've been talked about a lot with the in-season tournament. Their great run that they had there, even though they lost the championship, still a great run. Tyrese Halliburton emerging as an all-NBA candidate, the league's leader in assists at this point. And they got their they got the win in their first game after the tournament. It was the Pistons, but still um, good to see they're keeping up the momentum. They're currently fifth in the Eastern Conference, um, just about a game and a half behind Philadelphia. Why what is your DEFCON level on the Indiana Pacers? clinching home court in the first round of the playoffs, which would mean, of course, a top four seed. Oh, shoot. All right. I'm looking in this. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my, my thought process here. Mm -hmm. So, and also just for context, Celtics are one magic two, bucks, three, Sixers, four. Right. Uh, so Celtics, Bucks, you know, I feel like are obviously going to be in the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that changing. I definitely don't see the Pacers knocking them out of one of those spots. Mm. But then after that, like Magic, Sixers, Pacers, Knicks, even as far as the Cavs and the Heat. Mm. are all very, very close. Mm. Uh, very, very, you know, mid-teams, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, what a nice way to say it. Sixers have a little bit of an edge there, and the Magic have been really well so far. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess I got to give them credit. I keep just expecting them to drop off, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um Shoot, I'm gonna give it like a four. Okay, uh, I'm I'm impressed by their play. I I really enjoyed watching the Lakers Pacers game on Saturday, the in season tournament final, uh, mm. uh, finale thing, championship, I guess you would call it. Uh, and I think they're a good team. But the issue I have here is Celtics and Bucks already take up half the spots. Mm. The Magic continue to be uh, like a really good team, even though I don't think they should be. And I have skepticisms as to whether it continue mm-hmm. and the Sixers, I genuinely, you know, they're, they're, they're a good team and they've been playing well. Mm-hmm. So between those two teams, you got to at least solidify a third spot out of the top four being taken. Mm-hmm. And then, now you have the Pacers competing with the other of those two teams, whether it be Magic or Sixers, and Knicks, Cavs, Heat for that fourth spot. Mm-hmm. And so the chances of them, you know, beating all of those teams out and having better standings are, you know, slim. One, two, three, like one and five. Mm-hmm. And the Nets really aren't far behind either. Yeah. So... I'm going to give it like a four. Okay. Interesting. I would have maybe gone 
three in the sense that there are concerns, kind of what you've talked about. And also um, they're seven and five at home, which is not a great home record. Usually if you're a top tier team, you're going to be winning most all of your games at home. Uh, you need to take care of business there when you have the advantage and especially that Indiana crowd, they're a pretty faithful group. So um, you'd like to see that a little bit better. And also, um, you know, similar theme with, with other teams that are kind of, you know, surprise performers this season, you got to see more consistently. You got to see it more on a, a full season scale. So I can see that. But again, I like what, I love what Halliburton's done and the unique style this Pacers team has played with. So I hope that they're able to do that, but I, I don't argue against four necessarily. I think that's a pretty valid um, take, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. I guess so. It's at the next, you know, maybe we reevaluate this, you know, the halfway point, see where they're <laughs> yeah. at, and maybe we're we're sold or we're not as sold. I guess we'll have to see. But um, yeah, no, great response, and I think that takes care of our DefCon levels segment for this week, and uh, we're gonna move on to a very quick segment this week, and we'll explain that in just a second. But we're gonna do. This week's, uh, or last week rather, week seven, our weekly MVP. Weekly MVP. Okay, I say this is going to be quick simply because we've already chosen our weekly MVP. Um, simply because, well, the the number of games played, even though one of them didn't count towards the regular season, but also the fact that this player won an MVP already this week and won the first ever championship for a tournament that this was the first ever time it had been played. Our weekly MVP, we're going to give it to LeBron James. I mean, it's hard to really argue for anyone else. If you count the tournament final, even though that doesn't count with regular season stats, they were 3-0, of course, um, but he really was the MVP. I mean, 28 points a game, eight boards, nearly eight assists with about two steals and I mean, clutch free throw shooting about 90% free throw shooting for the week uh, for a guy that we know that's one of more a bit of a weakness, not a great free throw shooter. So it showed his drive and his focus to, to win that championship um, to power the Lakers to that kind of victory. And so it would really hard to be hard to choose anyone else. Um, why an even bigger fan of LeBron than I, I don't know if you have any other thoughts you want to add to, kind of speak to his impressiveness this week and in the tournament. He's goaded. Although I will say, uh, if the MVP had been just for that game, the championship game and not the uh, Mm. tournament as a whole, Anthony Davis would have won. Yeah. He had an incredible uh, championship game. Yeah. 41 points, 20 rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. And like four blocks, he was just destroying them defensively. And like the most impressive thing, you know, his, his rebounds, like most of the time, the Lakers just kind of were stayed out of his way. Like they were kind of out on the perimeter. And it was Hmm. like him and like three or four Pacers guys. And somehow he ended up with the ball every time or at least a hand on the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, so many of them were offensive rebounds and not just uh, defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. Quite and, a stud. Yeah. Uh, and he's had a great year again. He had an underrated year last year. I want to see his name in MVP or not MVP, uh, defensive player of the year conversations, Anthony Davis, that is. Um, I think Gobert is going to be back in that mix this year, but AD should be right there in terms yeah. of names for defensive player of the year. But 
No, yeah. Uh, if it was just that one game, but of course the three games, LeBron was the the leader of that Lakers team. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, again, I think that's the the right call for us. So congratulations, LeBron James, our Week Seven MVP, LeBron. Uh, you're not a big fan of Utah, but if you want to come out to Utah <laughs> and accept your MVP award, uh, we'd love to be in the presence of, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Certainly the most well-rounded of the you know few guys in that, you know, greatest of all time conversation and one of the greatest longevities uh, of a career we've ever seen, maybe the greatest. So, yeah, we'd love to have you stop by. Congratulations again. But otherwise... Let's go ahead and jump into our last big segment, our weekly forecast. And uh, this is going to be the next three days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. A quick note, the game's going on tonight that we didn't uh, mention before. I mean, uh, the Lakers have already played the Mavericks in Dallas. Uh, Celtics hosted the Cavs. Bulls hosted the Nuggets. Um, Currently, the Warriors are in Phoenix against the Suns. That's in the second quarter. And the Clippers are hosting the Kings. That's first quarter. So that'll kind of put a t- timestamp on when exactly we're recording this. Um, but that that being said, let's go ahead and get into those game summaries uh, or not game summaries, uh, game previews, uh, the, the forecast, starting with Wednesday's games. We have nine games on Wednesday, one of them, a national broadcast on NBA TV at eight o'clock, the uh, San Antonio Spurs hosting the LA Lakers. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Wemby versus LeBron. I would prefer to say they've maybe played at this point already but uh if not that'll be a very exciting first meeting between those two teams um remaining games uh at seven wizards host the pelicans and also the pistons host the sixers as they try and get uh off the schneid they try and get their first win in more than a month at 7 30 the raptors host the atlanta hawks and the charlotte hornets travel to, to miami to face the heat at eight o'clock the uh bucks will host the pacers in a rematch of the tournament semifinal and the uh, Rockets will also host the Grizzlies. At 9 o'clock, the Utah Jazz are at home against the New York Knicks for their uh, 80s night for their 50th anniversary or 50th season celebrations this year. And also at 9, the Phoenix Suns will host the Brooklyn Nets in a rematch of uh, Mikael Bridges in Phoenix against his former team, uh, Duran against his former team in the Nets. Uh, should be very interesting. On Thursday, there's seven games, uh, including an NBA TV doubleheader. Firstly, at 7.30, the Boston Celtics will host the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then at 10.30, the LA Clippers will host the Golden State Warriors. Both of those games should be very interesting. I'm excited about that doubleheader. Your remaining games, uh, at 7.30, the Miami Heat will host the Chicago Bulls. Uh, at 8.30, the Dallas Mavericks host the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's a under-the-radar great game. At 9 o'clock, the Brooklyn Nets travel to Denver to face the Nuggets. At 10 o'clock, the Sacramento Kings host the Oklahoma City Thunder. And also at 10, the Portland Trailblazers host the Utah Jazz in a Northwest Division matchup. Um, Some great games there as well. And also on Friday, there's eight games, uh, including an ESPN doubleheader. Firstly, at 730, uh, the second game of the Spurs back-to-back home games against the Los Angeles Lakers. So this one will be on ESPN this time around. And then at 10 o'clock, the Phoenix Suns will host the New York Knicks. Uh, should be an intriguing one there as well, especially a couple of years ago. I feel like they had a a brawl in Phoenix involving Randall and maybe Cameron Johnson, who was on the team at that time, um, maybe Jake Crowder, uh, but should be an exciting one nonetheless. Remaining games from that slate uh, at 7 o'clock, the Wizards will host the Pacers. Uh, the Pistons will be in Philadelphia to face the 76ers, and the Hornets will face 
the Pelicans in Charlotte in the matchup of the teams that either now or before were called the Hornets. Uh, at 7.30, the Toronto Raptors will host the Atlanta Hawks. And also at 7.30, the Boston Celtics will host the Orlando Magic. That should be a great game. Your matchup of two top teams in the East, one expected, one unexpected. Uh, definitely one worth uh, paying attention to, to see how that one plays out. And then finally at 8 o'clock, the Memphis Grizzlies will host the Houston Rockets to close out Friday's action. Uh, we've highlighted a few of those games. Why is there one other game that you would want to highlight that stands out to you? Hmm. No. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Pacers and bucks kind of highlighted that one, I, but hmm. no. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I, I just mentioned it was a tournament, uh, you know, rematch, but that should be a great one, you know, see yeah. how the bucks respond now they're focused on okay we need to you know get our consistent regular season going and get ready for you know uh, a deep playoff run that we hope to have so i think that's a great great choice a lot of great games i'm excited about the rest of this week um with that let's go ahead and wrap things up with our this day in history fact for you we're going back to 1988 for this one uh so december 12th of 1988 with a 110 to 94 loss to utah at the salt palace the Miami Heat set an NBA record for the most consecutive games lost at the start of a season with 17. How appropriate with our conversations about the Pistons <laughs> and the Spurs. Uh, the LA Clippers opened the lockout shortened 1998 to 1999 season with 17 straight defeats, which tied the Heat's mark. So a couple of other teams have struggled in NBA history. Um, interesting to note at the Heat in the Heat's case, that was, you know, 88. Uh, by the time the the mid nineties rolled around, the Heat were a consistent team uh, yeah. in the Eastern Conference playoff picture. And by the late nineties, they were one of the best teams in the East, not named the Chicago Bulls. So, um, yeah, definitely an interesting fact. Why? Any closing remarks before we wrap up today's show? Uh, no, I think the in season tournament was definitely a success. Lots of fun. Mm. Um, and now I'm excited to see how these next couple weeks go. You know kind of in between the competitiveness of the tournament and then getting really buckled down to securing uh regular season standings. So, yeah, absolutely. And of course the build up to the Christmas day games, that's kind of our next yeah. landmark of the season. I think those should be fun. We'll preview those later, but for now we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you again for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. Um, if you want to check out our social medias, that's, Instagram and Facebook, we're at Crossover Across Time. Pretty straightforward. On Twitter, or X, whichever you prefer, it's X Over Across Time, due to the character limit for the uh, username. On all three of those, you'll also find a link tree that will take you to any of the other pages, but will also take you to the podcast itself. Of course, you're already listening, but if you're not sure where uh, all the places are available, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and RSS.com. So definitely check us out. Again, we appreciate your support and, you know, would appreciate any continued support you want to give us with that we'll quit rambling thank you again and we'll be back with you tomorrow 